We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hello, friends. By now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome into another Saturday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Whether you're listening to us wherever you get your favorite podcast or watching us, preferably on the YouTube side at Pack a Day Podcast, we appreciate you tuning in. I am Matt Fralick. Alongside me is my buddy Eli Berkovitz. Eli took the trip to Lambeau Field on Thursday night. Seemed like a ton of people did. I was quite envious when I saw, you know, anytime you see snow falling in Lambeau, you got the lights yeah. on, 
pretty damn cool. The pregame show was awesome. I was happy I got to see that from home. But unfortunately, all things considered, this seems to me, and I think, Eli, we've talked about this ahead of time, like this seems kind of like the final straw for the Packers this, this year. If they were to win out going 10-7, and seven, that would be fantastic. But you have the likes of the Eagles in 10 days, 9 days, whenever you're listening, the Rams, the Dolphins, and then again, the Vikings. It seems almost improbable they would make the playoffs at this point. Crazier things that happen, but right now, I personally am looking towards the future, and I think that's what the premise of this entire episode is going to be, Eli. Yeah, I mean, right now it's 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 hard to imagine that they can make the playoffs at this point. I mean, yes, if they ran the table again somehow, they they could probably squeeze their way in. Maybe they could lose one more game, and if things fall in their direction, it could work out. But well, the way this team is playing, I don't know how they're going to go five and one or six and zero oh at that point. But yeah, I mean, as as you said, Matt, I went out there uh, for the game and. It was a good time, as you said. I mean, the snow was fun. I, I don't think I've been actually at a snow game in Lambo before. But I don't know. I'm starting to think I might just be cursed because I think <laughs> I've been now to four losses and I've only seen them win once. And they're usually not this bad. I've just picked really bad times to go. Um, so I might just take a couple years off from going to Lambo, give them a chance to just win more games. And we'll see what happens understandably and like i like you said like there is a potential for them to run the table but all things considered from what we've seen from the defense from the special teams and specifically the offense i feel like it's just there is no optimism there so let's basically the entire premise of this episode is normally we would do an injury report for before a sunday game right come on saturday but we have 10 days until the next game nine days i should say since the last one and Really, like, I want to look at this from a standpoint of, like, what should we expect for the rest of the season, Eli? And I think a lot of fans alike, maybe for the last couple weeks, have been saying, hey, mop-up duty for Jordan Love. Let's get some of these younger guys opportunities. You mentioned as we were uh, preparing here, just like some of the contracts that are in that are going to be in play. Bakhtiar with a huge cap hit next year. Aaron Jones, I laughed at getting $20 million, you told me. Uh, Adrian Amos being on the final year of his contract. Like, that leaves this team in a position, and with the coaching staff, we'll try to get to is, like, what are you seeing from these young guys? Because there's a lot of guys that have flourished. Christian Watson had another amazing game yesterday, five touchdowns in five days. Uh, that's quite the feat. Yeah. But where does that leave the team? And let's start on the offensive side of the ball. I already mentioned Bakhtiari. I think that offensive line, there's a conversation we had. The receivers between Dobbs when he comes back healthy, Toure and Watson, you'd like to see them develop. But where do you kind of look? for the future of the team on the offense? Do you look for your boy Aaron Rodgers to take a seat back and love get some opportunities, maybe towards the end of the year? I don't want to say right now is the time to start doing that, but like, where do you envision this team making some strides to set themselves up for success in 2023? You can take that at any angle you want. Yeah, I mean, I think starting off, if, if let's say it's, well, right now it's week 11, come week 14, 15, 16, that range, and let's say things don't really turn around and we're essentially eliminated or mathematically eliminated completely, it wouldn't surprise I me. Mean, look, I wouldn't say it wouldn't surprise me. It's still a little surprising, but I wouldn't find it to be the craziest thing if Jordan Love were to get some you know, playing time. But that would also be essentially Aaron Rodgers saying to the world before the season is even over, that he's retiring. And I think most people might be of the belief that he's going to retire. And I'm basically there as well, but it's, I think it may be a little bit much for a player before the end of his the season to basically 
without saying it, say that he's retiring. Uh, that's essentially what he would be doing. But yeah, I mean, that that would be something, at least to see what Jordan Love can do with more than, you know, one game here, one game there, like really be playing. Because obviously we need to know if he's the guy. I mean, maybe the coaching staff somewhat knows, but obviously none of the fans really know. And I don't know how much the coaching staff can know considering he's only started one NFL game. And then, I mean, beyond the quarterback, like you said, I mean, the young receivers are there, Watson, Dobbs, Toure, get them to continue, you know, get them as many snaps as they can really going forward. We're seeing Watson obviously take over, and that's awesome to see. Whenever Dobbs gets back, I'm sure he'll play a ton. He was already making plays earlier in the year. And then I would say, I mean, I don't know if I would go and bench anyone specifically to get Zach Tom in. I think, you know, he's still a rookie and he'll work his way in when he does, but I'm excited about his future for sure. And I mean, outside of that, you know, I mean, I think that's definitely where you're going to want to start. Just, you know, whether Jordan Love comes in or not, but you want to make sure that these young receivers get as much playing time as possible because they're essentially the future of this offense right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at like, you know, contractually, the way you brought it up before we were recording is like, you know, Sammy Watkins' contract, he's on a one-year deal. More than likely, he will walk and uh, go elsewhere with his services, whatever those end up being. Um, you have Alan Lazard, who's on a one-year contract right now. I would imagine he would come back again. I've loved Alan Lazard, and I love the way he plays. And just like said this time and time again, no matter how he pops up in the box score, just everything else he contributes to that offense is just like so so important. Uh, Randall Cobb, 2023, his contract will expire. So it's like, it almost seems obvious that you would just continue to push these receivers. And Toure, I think, has it's been a slow progression. We've seen him get some snaps, um, you know, begrudgingly to some fans. They think he should probably get, be getting more over Sammy Watkins, which I think there's definitely an argument to be had. Dobbs, when he comes back healthy, let's not rush him back with that ankle but let's get him involved in the last couple of games of the season, see what he can do. I think the big opportunity though, is like for Christian Watson, like, can you develop your route tree a little bit? Are you more than like a deep crosser, a fly route, a nine route guy? That's what I would try to challenge him yeah. on the receiver coach is like, see if we can get this guy to, you know, the athletic ability is there. We know that, right? Like yeah. just an absolute stud, but like, let's see if we can get him to develop a little bit more in the passing game, somehow in the RPO stuff, like blocking on the edge. I think that's the big one. Love, I don't know when he gets involved. I think it will happen. Um, I'm not sure. Tough to predict, in my opinion, if it's going to be mop-up duty in some games. If it's going to be, like, I, I feel like you would be feeding him to the Wolves if you had him start almost any of these games the last yeah. six, right? Like, it's, yeah. like, Phillies, you're not going to have him go up against Philly. I don't think there would be a scenario like that. I almost think it would, might just be, like, the Lions game. Let him start there unless yeah. you somehow lose the next three. And it's, like, why not have him play? But uh, – I, I don't know when the opportunity he gets the actual start. I think there'll be an opportunity where he'll get multiple snaps at some point. I'm surprised it has happened sooner than later. But, uh, and then the other one, like you mentioned, like the offensive line is so interesting to me because you finally have some stability there with Elton and David. Um, you mentioned before the show, I think he's like a $23 million cap, 20, something Back like that. Next year is 29 million. 29 million, even worse. So it's like, what I mean, do you want to start trying a left tackle? But who is your left tackle? Is it Zach Tom? Is it Elton Jenkins? Like, where does that conversation be had? And like you said, I don't think it makes sense to bench some guys because why would you do that at this point? You don't want to, you know, injure Aaron Rodgers or stunt right. the growth of John or uh, Jordan Love. But I definitely think there's a conversation to be had about like making sure, specifically Zach Tom gets some reps. I think there's yeah. an opportunity for 
you know, a couple other guys to get back in the mix. Maybe Royce Newman gets another opportunity to to fill mm-hmm. in somewhere. But I, the carousel at offensive line, I think there should be a conversation of maybe not getting your best five out there, but seeing what you have. Like, is 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 Yash Nijman really your right tackle of the future? Like, definitely, yeah. you know, something to consider. Um, they talked about it actually on um, Lombardi's Bar over this week, like just talking about like, hey. If Yash is your right tackle, that's great. But like, maybe you should draft and develop someone behind him. Yeah. Like, is there someone on the roster like that? That's just kind of the way. I, and then yeah. um, the last one I'll throw in there, just because we haven't touched on, is the tight end. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is a free agent. Uh, Robert Tunyon has developed out through this entire year. I believe he's a leading receiver for them, um, catches wise. Like, where does that team? Where you know where do they go at that position group? Tyler Davis has been an absolute dud all year. Yeah. After you know. A lot of people thought he was going to take the next step. That's just, I mean, there's so much on that offensive side of the ball. We're still in that flux of like spread offense to this RPO heavy run game, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's, there's a lot of interesting things to look at. And I think just starting at the tackle position, you know, maybe someone like Rasheed Walker could get a couple snaps. We haven't seen anything out of Sean Ryan, third round yep. pick. That would, that would be, you know, interesting to see. I mean, I, it's weird. I, I was, Pretty, I don't know. I feel like most people are like this, but I was more excited about the Zach Tom pick than the Sean Ryan pick. And now here we are, week 11. Tom's played, you know, a decent amount. He started a game or two. Ryan, from what I can remember, I don't even think he's really taken a meeting. So that's interesting. Uh, The Packers' third-round picks continue to potentially baffle, but it's early. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But yeah, uh, the offense, there's there's, there's definitely a lot to see. And just one quick last point, and... People might not be happy about this, and I've been trying my best to not talk about it all year because he's a fan favorite. He's one of my favorite players, but A.J. Dillon, in my opinion, has just taken a major step back. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's if it's his body, if it's his brain, if it's the offensive line, if it's the I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he's not the player he was last year or even as a rookie when he got the snaps he did. Forget even last night, where obviously I think he what he had like six carries for fourteen yards. Uh, he had yeah six for thirteen. I mean two two point two yards a carry, and that's really what it's been like most of the year. I, in my head, off the top of my head, I could probably think of maybe two times he's broken away for like a ten plus yard run, but everything else has just been a struggle. It seems like he's shifting his feet a lot behind the line. He's not just hitting the hole. He's like you're not. He's not a fast enough guy with a burst that can be patient, find the hole, and burst through it. He's just not. You need to go full speed, run people over, find the hole, and even if there's no hole, run into the back of your offensive lineman and just push forward. But if you stop your feet, you're not getting anywhere. He doesn't have the burst to do it. And that's why, I mean, Aaron Jones going into the year, and I saw that cap hit of $20 million, which for a running back we know is almost certainly not going to happen. He's either going to have to restructure or he's not going to be on the team. As much as I hate to say it, I've been – basically saying Aaron Jones is the best player on this team all year. So that really sucks. But I was somewhat confident saying, okay, we're going to lose Jones, but Dylan will be the guy. We'll draft someone. Kylan Hill, maybe. Kylan Hill's gone. A.J. Dylan has, in my opinion, at least taken a pretty major step back. And I don't know. I don't think I'll be very comfortable going into next year with A.J. Dylan and maybe a rookie or two. Like, I think yeah. they're going to have to think of, they're going to have to get a solution and someone of the Aaron Jones type that's, you know, the contrast from Dylan, you know, so fast, shifty, that can make moves in the passing game. Dylan, he's going to have to, I don't know, I mean, he's just got to step up his game and hopefully he can get back to that pounding running back we saw. But if they lose Jones, they're going to have to bring in someone. And in my opinion, a veteran or, or a high draft pick you could really trust. 
you would imagine like the way the front office approached just acquiring Dylan, like that second round pick that they thought maybe he could be the replacement for Aaron Jones at some point. And I think this year, um, you know, he is, I don't know if he's been omitted from criticism because he has that mayoral status in Door County or he's a full yeah. legend, but like, I mean, last night, I don't know if you saw it. It's, it's tough, you know, when you're at the game, you know, in comparison to sitting at home, like on your couch, like, but like, he looked very indecisive on the broadcast yeah. was not hitting the hole. And it's like, you've seen that all year. And I don't, you know, some of it, like you mentioned, it could be a personal thing with him, you know, development, you know, running the schemes, you know, just being confident in his body. But like, I feel like some of it is the offensive play calling where it's just like, he's not meant to be out of shotgun yeah, taking an inside zone and RPO. It's just like, it doesn't make sense for him to do that. Like it's, he should be running the ball yeah. like a Nick Chubb does like a, yeah. Eric Henry does. And it's like, it's not, that's not what this offense has transitioned into. Yeah. Um, and it's changed since he's been acquired. So I don't know why, um, like I said, AJ Dillon's been omitted from criticism, but I think there's definitely a conversation to be had. I think he's only scored one touch all year and that was in week one. Um, yeah. Outside of that, like you mentioned, maybe a couple plays here and there that were great where he got some help from the offensive line to push him over for a 10 yard run over the first down. But yeah, there, I mean, it's just across the board on the offense. I think it's just in, it's dicey, man. Like it's, yeah. you lose, you lose Nathaniel Hackett, you lose Getsy. I just, it's, they've been under scrutiny all year. And I think a lot of it, I think of the lot of the struggle is just like, they showed it last night um, on the broadcast, just like the, the, uh, the career lows for Rogers that he's having this year from attempts to yards to touchdowns. And they talked about it, even the broad, like most yard or most passes, like from one yard or behind the line of scrimmage, like 83. It's like the most in the league. It's just like that all these things are nuts. Yeah. Last night, I mean, how many times are you going to throw the same screen pass or the same route into the flat? Those flat routes do not work either. I mean, for some reason this year, Rodgers seems to be dirtying a ton of those balls into the flat. And even if he's completing it, there's nowhere to go. You're either getting tackled for a best of two or three yard gain if you fall forward. But if you don't push the guy back, you're probably either getting no yards or losing yards. That not even the screen, just that, you know, where Tunyon runs in the flat or Lazard runs in the flat makes no sense to me. You have to have perfect blocking from your receivers mm -hmm. and a lack of defenders and just a total mess up by the defense to really make that play a big game. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. And then, yeah, I mean, the screen passes also weren't working and I don't understand you have Aaron Rodgers and you're basically having him play quarterback as if you have Marcus Mariota. It's like, what are you doing? Like he, yes, he missed a couple throws last night, no doubt, but he's Aaron Rodgers. You cannot, I mean, I think uh, Zach Jacobson tweeted that, 16 of his 24 completions were either at, at the line of scrimmage or within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. He's Aaron Rodgers. He can throw the ball. You have Christian Watson, a deep threat. Alan Lazard's a big body. He might not burn anyone, but you saw him catch, you know, a deep ball down the right sideline, not super deep, but like 20 yards. There, there are things you can do. Even Cobb caught a couple of decent balls down the middle of, you know, 15 plus yards, but it's just they are treating Rodgers completely wrong, in my opinion. And like you said, they're, they're misusing Dylan. Shouldn't be running him out of the shotgun. And then, obviously, as I've at least said all year, I just think Aaron Jones needs more touches and should just be on the field as much as physically possible, especially if he's possibly not going to be the team next year. So it's frustrating. And a lot of this and a lot of what we're talking about, in my opinion, eventually comes back to the coaching. And it's just like, mm -hmm. you guys, you're not using your players nearly as well as you could be. The scheme seems off. The usage seems off, and we haven't even gotten to the defense or special teams, which is pretty comical right now. Yeah, let's stick with the coaching staff. I was going to go to the defense, but let's let's stick with the coaching because I think there's a lot of criticism um, on both sides of the football. I'll make a little transition then for the defense. But, like, 
do you think let's just open it up like do you think there's even a a coaching staff is there a change at some point i mean not obviously with, with lafleur i don't think that's a conversation we had i think joe barry's one that's being considered maybe they bring someone in for the offensive side of the ball more but do you think there's any sort of transaction or not transaction but do you think there's any sort of movement in the coaching staff before we get through this year like what are your thoughts with the co- it just overall it just seems like there's something missing it's like Basachi was supposed to bring this like gritty and fieriness and like you really haven't seen all that much from his um you know from him even on the sidelines they don't really show him ever but it just I I just feel like it's something lacking I've always thought Tom Clements was going to take a step in that room and kind of be this bridge between the coaching staff and being like an OG and then like being a buddy with Rodgers and like yeah that hasn't really developed much like where do you look at the coaching staff throughout the rest of the year and like up into 2023 so to be honest I mean I was not expecting, and I'm still probably not expecting any kind of change during the season, just going by what the Packers do. They don't really do that a lot, but I also said there's no way they're going to, let alone cut Amari Rodgers, I didn't even think they were going to move on from it as a returner. I was like, you already know this guy's going to fumble the ball as much as he catches the ball, and it hasn't stopped you, so why would you bench him now? Obviously, I was wrong, and they they cut him, so... Again, I, I was pretty like certain there's no way Joe Barry gets fired this year. Mm-hmm. But after last night, I I might be stepping off that stance a little. I'm still not expecting it, but I don't think it would nearly be as much of a surprise. I mean, to go against the Titans, who coming into last night, I believe, were the 31st ranked offense in DVOA or whatever. And and they, they put up over, I think, 400 yards of offense. Tannehill has his best game of the year by far. 22 for 27, 127 rating. I mean, five incompletions. They made him look, they made him look like a Pro Bowl quarterback. And the most frustrating part, I think, that a lot of people are talking about is they forced a lot of third downs, and it was third and medium, third and short. And all the cornerbacks and all the defensive backs are between eight to 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. It's an automatic conversion every single time I was watching. I'm at the game and I'm seeing before the play, Jair, Douglas, everyone, they're way off the line. It's like third and four. I'm like, okay. Well, as long as no one on the Titans right now literally falls on their face, it's an automatic first down. And every single time it was a first down, there were blown coverages left and right, even by Jair, which was definitely disappointing. Adrian Amos getting cooked by Austin Hooper. Amos has obviously had his worst year as a Packer so far. I believe he's getting up 129 pass rating. He's already given up five touchdowns in coverage this year. I don't think he gave up any last year. Maybe he gave up like one. It's just been... It's been awful, and I, I mean, I put it on Twitter a little while ago. When you look at the amount that this team has invested into the defense, to play like this is absolutely – it's just insane. I mean, first-round picks, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, they extended – they made Jair the highest-paid cornerback. They gave Kenny Clark a ton of money. They brought back Devondre Campbell. They brought back Rizal Douglas. They gave money to Amos. They gave money to Preston Smith. There's way too many picks and mu- too much money in this defense to look like this. And I just think it's also – it's not that they have bad players. I do think a lot of these guys are actually talented. Maybe some we overrated or were wrong, but I think most of them are talented. And for me, that's why it just comes back to the coaching. I just think that this team, they just look so unprepared, not interested. There's no, like, energy on the defense. And I know there's injuries. Rashawn Gary getting hurt is a big deal. There's no doubt about it. But when you're putting out Jonathan Garvin and McDuffie as your edge linebackers, which happened a few times last night, like what do you expect is going to happen? It's just 
there's there's a problem with the coaching and at a certain level there there's some amount of a problem with the personnel clearly but i am i would definitely put it more on the coaching than the personnel if you're going to the grocery store this weekend getting ready all the supplies you need to watch the upcoming packer game you've already got your brats your beer you walk through you know the different sections you get to the water and you might notice some strange tall boys of beer sitting in the bottled water section at your local store you're wondering what what is this doing what is this doing here with the water well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? What a, what a name for water, right? Well, it's because it is going to brutally murder not just your thirst, but it's also out to bring death to plastic bottles because their recyclable Tallboy cans help end the plastic bottle life cycle. And not only that, but they donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. And not only that, there's something about having that freezing cold can that's sitting in your hand that looks like a can of beer, but it's actually a super refreshing can of water. It's got three grams of agave nectar for an incredibly different flavor, different from any other water you have. That's what makes Liquid Death such a fun product to have stocked up at all times alongside all the other beverages you're going to have for game day. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator to at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've always summed up um, defense into like scheme. Like you can kind of – whatever players you have is great. If you have a talented team like this, that's just another – you know, weapon that you can put at your disposal, guys that are super athletic and can, you know, make some plays. But it's the predictability from Joe Barry is unbelievable. Um, there was a really good article. I forgot who it was uh, a couple of weeks back, maybe a month or so. Bent, uh, I forgot his name, but he was on, he's on Packaday. I think Andy had him on for either the YouTube side or both, but just talking about the predictability from the defense and just how they're constantly, if they're going to show five linemen, you know, the three, three guys on the defensive line, two edge guys, they're going to blitz every time. They're not bringing nickels. They're not yeah. bringing safeties down. It's just like the, it's so easy to, um, it's just so easy to dissect. Yeah. There's no, there's no disguising anything. No, not at all. And it's like, you would think that would be this, this would be a defensive coordinator's dream to have guys that, you know, 
you're not limited with your, what you can do for this scheme. You have athletes across the board. You have yeah. safeties that are developing like a Rudy Ford that you can put out there. Like you, you have guys that you can shift around and move around. You have a Quay Walker. I know you're, you know, Devondre Campbell's injured. Uh, Rayshon Gary, you mentioned Eric Stokes is out, but like, there's still other dudes that I feel like you can put out there and just have them get after the passer. They don't necessarily have to cover anyone, but they can, yeah. they can make plays, but it's just not a thing. And I, a lot of it has to fall on Joe Barry because he came in scrutinized, right? He came in scrutinized being that he used to coach the Lions defense. That wasn't that great of a defense. The Rams had kind of just been really damn good because of uh, Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald is basically five guys in himself. Like how do you, what, what are you going to do to a defense that was kind of already floundering and they gave all these picks and they've acquired so many guys through um, just, you know, acquisitions since Lafleur has been there. Yeah. And it just hasn't really turned out to anything. I, I mean, I feel like someone that doesn't get much criticism and maybe it's justifiably, it's not his business, but like a Jerry Gray, I feel like there's, yeah. you know, he's a stud defensive back coach. He really, really was good in his first year as the DB coach. I, I don't know if he gets scrutinized. Maybe he's next in line to the D coordinator. I've been seeing some of that on Twitter recently, but at the end of the day, like even when Rayshon Gary was out there, even when Devondre Campbell was out there, even when Eric Stokes, who was having an, you know, an underwhelming year, some of that can be chalked up to the scheme. But even when he's on the field healthy, this defense was still atrocious. Like they were still letting guys like it, Ryan Tannehill or the likes of him just just absolutely dice them up. And I don't know where the coaching staff goes from here. I think there's a void. I don't know where it needs to be rejuvenated from. It thinks I think it's crazy that Joe Barry came in and just like we're already going to send him out the door. But what have you done to prove it when you've been given? One of the more talented defenses the Packers have ever had, and you know, nationally has been recognized as a very top-end defensive, you know, talented team. Yeah, we we came into the season. I mean, forget even as just Packer fans. Obviously, we were, I think almost everyone was expecting the best defense we've yeah. seen, maybe in the whole Rodgers era, but probably since 2010, the earliest. And then, but even forget just Packers. You know, Packers fans, like you said, nationally, just around the NFL, the Packers defense was talked about almost universally in the top five. And some people had them in the top three or higher and look what it's been. And like you said, and everyone really is saying, I just, it, it's got to come down to the coaching and whether, look, we, we don't know exactly the ins and outs and maybe just Barry is going to have to be that guy, but there's no, there's no, what are you going to do? You can't cut your whole defense. And there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of first round picks. We know the defense ain't changing a lot at this point. It's got to be the coaching, and it's just it seems like they just can't get it right on that side of the ball no matter what they do. And the worst part is, I mean, at least Petten, you know, you could say maybe he was there one season longer than he had to be, but at least it wasn't like Dom Capers who was there three or four or five years longer than he was supposed to be. But, again, it's never fun to see someone lose their job. But right now, Joe Barry, do I, again, do I expect it's going to happen during the season? It's pretty unlikely. Maybe if things are awful and, again, we're eliminated, maybe they'll be like, let's see what Jerry Gray can do, whatever. But even if it's at the end of the year, Joe Barry, I just I don't know how you can justify bringing him back when you have this amount of talent and you're going out and playing like that against against the Titans who just, I mean, they're just not, they're not good. Yes, Derrick Henry is a great player, but that offense is not good. Their receivers are not good, and they looked like, they looked like all pros last night. Robert Woods looked like he did seven years ago on the Rams. You had Traylon Burks have the best game of his career. Nick Westbrook-Akine was making plays. Austin Hooper, who's the, you didn't hear his name since Cleveland, like mm -hmm. three years or sorry, Atlanta, like three, mm -hmm. four years ago. Here's Austin Hooper with two touchdowns, just cooking Adrian Amos. Derrick Henry's throwing touchdown passes. 
Guys are running wide open on every down, mostly third down, obviously. It's just, it's unacceptable. And there's, I don't know how there's any way that come at least the end of the season, Joe Barry is still coaching this defense. If he is, it is, it is in my, just a, kind of a slap in the face to the whole or fan base organization. Makes no sense to me. You, you, it's one thing, you know, the years, in years past, the Packers have had very limited talent on defense. That's not the case. You just, you can't make that argument at all. Yeah, the, the, I would say the only thing that, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think they'd let him go before the end of the season. It just seems like that'd be an egregious move. Like, let him ride it out. He hasn't been here that long to get rid of him. Um, you know, they came into this off this season with underwhelming, probably outside linebacker depth, yeah. one injury away from having an issue. And like you said, that's when we see McDuffie and Garvin out there and whoever else. So um, let's stick to the defense. Let's a little bit more personnel. Um, I think there's probably, I, I don't know if I, I'm going to say this, like, I think there's more opportunity for some young guys to make some strides or even just have like an, just have a chance to yeah. make this roster. I look at Quay Walker, who I think undoubtedly probably had his best game of the year this last yeah. night. It was incredible to see him fly around. Some of that because of Devondre Campbell not being there with his injury. Uh, Kinsley Ingabari was there. Rudy Ford. I mean, third game getting some snaps and you get the Rudy chance going in Lambert. Yeah. And that says something like that. That's incredible. And so like those guys are on the, 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 the positive side. The not yeah. so positive side are the gentlemen like – I don't know, Darnell Savage, who hasn't been all that great. That's really the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, um, Dean, La- Dean Lowry's on a contract year. Like, he's kind of like the last one that's like ever from when they started extending guys years and years and years ago on the defensive side. Like, where do you look at the, the personnel um, on the defense going into 2023? Well, or at the end of the year, I should say. Like, where do they even line up? So, I mean, right now, like you said, there are definitely some positives, some young guys. I mean, even Devontae Wyatt made a couple, had a f- couple flashes last night, which I feel like we have not seen really anything from him this year. But, yeah, Quay Walker really looks like he's coming into his own. And you don't see that a lot out of middle linebackers as a rookie. So it's, it's kind of like the tight end of the defense where it takes time to really start making an impact. And Quay Walker, in my opinion, is kind of ahead of the curve, which is great to see. And Kingsley and Igbari, in my opinion – maybe the biggest steal of the Packers draft class. And one of the, I just don't know how he made it to the fifth round. I was very high in him. I thought at worst he was going to be a mid to end of third round pick. Seeing that we got him in the fifth, I was ecstatic. And yeah, Rudy Ford clearly is going to have to, you know, get more snaps on this defense and probably stick around going forward. And, you know, Jair, even for himself, I don't think he's had, you know, his best year. And it is a little frustrating when you go and you just paid him all the money, but you know, I'm not going to overreact and be like, that's it. You know, this is the fall of Jair Alexander. He's a young guy. He's a great player. I'm sure he will get it back on track. Brazil Douglas, I mean, it's going to be interesting because I think we all kind of knew that last year, I wouldn't say it's a fluke, but I don't think any anyone was expecting another five interceptions in, in nine games with multiple pick sixes. Like that was kind of a lightning in the bottle situation. It was great to see, but he needs to kind of just be a little more consistent, in my opinion. We've seen a lot of bad penalties out of him, some blown coverages. Obviously, the pick last night, though, was a great play, a great read, and a fun play to watch. Uh, going up to the front, Rashawn Gary, obviously, is, is kind of your, your your main centerpiece there. You just have to hope he comes back and is playing the way he was playing this year. But you got to wonder about maybe someone like Preston Smith. I know he just restructured, but he, he has a pretty good contract as well with a cap hit. Um, in 2023, uh, sorry, one second. 
uh, yeah, he's 13 million, which I mean, it's not, it's not massive. Um, and I do think he'll stick around as he has been playing well, but yeah, you, you got to see Kenny Clark just continue. Like he's been a little bit quiet this year. He's in my opinion, got to, you know, get back to that pro bowl level play. Devontae Wyatt played to, you know, the first round pick that we took him at, but yeah, someone like Dean Lowry, I don't even understand, honestly, like, like I get it, whatever. Like he's made some plays, but I don't know. Like, how is he still on this roster? So many years later, yeah. he's like, <laughs> I mean, not like I get it. Like, like he, he's not, he's not all, he's not like a major liability. He's not like an awful player, but he's not a game changer in any way. He's not pushing any offensive lineman back. When's the last time you saw him make a tackle for a loss? I can't even think of it. Like the only plays I remember of him are knocking the ball down the line, mm-hmm. which is nice because not a lot of guys do it. It is nice. And he has, I think, those two interceptions, one against the Bears and then the pick six against the Bucks, like eight years ago. But he doesn't like he doesn't have any sacks. He doesn't make tackles for losses. So what is he doing? Like he gets kind of pushed around by centers and guards almost the entire game. It's kind of like, you know, like he's just there like, oh, Dean, you know, just stick around and we'll keep restructuring your contract. And then like whatever. But if he's like your third or fourth guy coming in, fine. He can't be out there as basically your starting defensive tackle. Or, you know, it's just frustrating, man. It's frustrating. Yeah, Dean Lauer is one that's it's always been funny to me. It's like, like I said, he was the first one that ever got to st- extended years ago, even before they brought in, you know, Smith, Smith, Amos, yeah. Devondre, et cetera. Like, and he has just been a body forever. And, like, I don't know. You mentioned Kenny Clark, and I think there's enough guys that we've already mentioned, Jair, like, where they just, they've underwhelmed this year. Um, Kenny Clark is one that I've, like, constantly just been beating my hammer about like get him some help in the interior take some double teams off Dean Lowry's not taking that many double teams off like that's that's what you kind of need I think they're making some strides with that with some of the, the thicker boys they've got with Wyatt with Slayton uh J- Jaron Reed I think's had a good year but like it, it's I, I don't know and you mentioned like Jair he, like I said he's underwhelmed this year I think there's just there's a conversation to be had about that they almost have they just bounce around here. Like they kind of have to keep Preston Smith because the depth of the outside linebackers is so yeah. bad wow. to bring in a bunch of guys. I don't know why you wouldn't have done it this last year. And then like with Rayshon's injury, it's like, he's not going to be a hundred percent until maybe a couple weeks into the season based off when he had this injury. Now it's just like, it's, the, I, I don't know. The depth of the, the depth is still there for the, um for the secondary. I think, absolutely if if Stokes can come back healthy and Rudy Ford can flourish and I don't know what happens with Savage or Amos at this point but overall the defense I think there's just guys that can have opportunities you saw Jonathan Abram I mean they brought him in um I keep checking the roster every time I see 44 out there I'm like I have no idea who this is I forget who it is he's got a terrible number I know Zach Jacobson hates the 44 (laughs) number I as well and I, I mean maybe he's the guy that gets an opportunity there's really no you know you're uh there's nothing to lose by having him out there more he's you're just he's not under contract for next year throw him out there see what you can get maybe he can be a guy that could fill in in the back end but yeah. I don't know I think there's just some there there's movement there they got to figure out what they still have with Jonathan Garvin if McDuffie can play at all but yeah. with some of these top end injuries it's been tough to really like know what this depth looks like because they're just being thrust in without really uh, you know much of an much of a chance as far as other guys under contract throughout the rest of um, this year. Like we already mentioned, Adrian Amos, Dean Lowry, Jonathan Abram, as I already uh, mentioned, J. Ron Reed, Chris Barnes, who had a huge hit last night on uh, Tannehill, which was awesome. Uh, Dallin Levitt, uh, Corey Ballantyne hasn't really done much of anything, of course, because he was just brought in recently, maybe to return kicks. That doesn't happen. 
Uh, Tifanalia is also a defensive outside linebacker who is also injured. Um, and then Savage with, they picked up the rookie contract and that's a whole, you know, debate whether or not that was a good idea right now. It seems like not, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do they need an influx in free agency acquisition? It seems crazy that they would spend more, more picks on the defense. That's, that seems nuts to me. I don't know. I think it needs to be more of an offensive focus in the draft this year, but I could be wrong depending how the rest of the season plays out. I mean, just I think one more quick point about the defense, and it yeah. kind of ties in a little bit to something else I wanted to talk about for a second, which is you kind of look at what the Eagles just did this week, bringing Linval Joseph, and then they bring in Dominican Sue back-to-back. When you know Jordan Davis got hurt, they went, they played Washington, they ran through them. Oh, no, that's a problem. Let's immediately address it. Let's not wait one more week. Let's not wait two weeks and see what's going to happen. Maybe Jordan Davis comes back and does something. No. Let's do something right now and bring in two veterans that are automatically, even yes, they are older. I'm not saying Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph are still Pro Bowl players, but you have to pay attention to them. They're they're better than Dean Lowry, in my opinion. Like a defense is not going to be able to say, forget that guy, let's double Kenny Clark and don't, don't even worry about it. You have to worry about Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph. And just saying that's a small microcosm, a word I never thought I would actually say out loud, but that is just a small part of what we've seen. Out of Goody, you just said, the outside linebacker depth, there's none. You look around the NFL this year, guys like Justin Houston, killing it in Baltimore. Melvin Ingram's having a good year in Miami. Like these older guys that weren't going to cost a ton of money, but you could have brought them in, veteran leadership, someone that could have just been your third or fourth guy in the rotation that's way better than elevating Darius Hamilton or putting Jonathan Garvin out there or taking Isaiah McDuffie, who actually has played decent in the middle, but putting him at the edge, he's not an edge linebacker. Like, let him play in the middle and see what we have. But he's not an edge linebacker. It's not his thing. So not bringing in someone like that, it's frustrating. And then you look at the offense for a second. I mean, receiver, I know we drafted three guys. And I know, they're oh, Lazard, step up, bring in Cobbs there. But we all knew. When you lose Devontae Adams, it doesn't matter when you drafted rookies. Rookies cannot make up for Devontae Adams. And it's one thing if Jordan Love was starting this year and he wants to say, all right, Three rookies, Jordan Love, see what happens. You know, let him build with it. You knew Aaron Rodgers, either his last year, maybe second to last year, but these were your last chances. And you didn't have to go and do something crazy, but something. Bring in someone, a veteran, someone that another person maybe can rely on. Yeah, Sammy Watkins. Okay. We, we all knew what Sammy Watkins is the minute he, they signed him. We knew, you know, at best you'd get 10 games out of him, maybe one or two splash games or splash plays, I should say. But the rest is going to be – Average, you know, pretty much mediocre, and that's what it's been. And it's just, it's, it's very frustrating when it's like, do you care that you're about to lose your transcendent Hall of Fame quarterback? And who knows the next time you're really going to be this competitive? And it's just, it seems like a waste. And at a certain point, I mean, we talked about the coaching a lot, but I do think Goody, uh, you know, has kind of just sat on his hands and is like, well, we'll see. it's a kind of like Ted Thompson in a way, you know, just let's see Aaron Rodgers covered up, cover up this hole, cover up that hole, you know, make sure that, you know, somehow fix the fact that every time we kick a ball, it gets blocked. I, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. Andy, Andy himself uh, tweeted earlier and it was totally true. He's like, here we are the day after another bad loss. And no one's even talking about the fact that we had an extra point blocked. It is just commonplace in Packers football to have kicks blocked. It's crazy. I don't know if Mason Crosby is just kicking line drives because at a certain point, it, it just seems impossible that they cannot block for a kick. Every other team in the NFL, they maybe have, what, one or two blocked kicks the whole year, maybe. Most teams probably don't have any. 
the Packers, it's like, if you get through a game without a blocked kick, it's like, yo, great game, guys. You might have lost by 20, but at least you didn't get a blocked kick. Like, I can't. I can't understand how it's possible that they're either every field was blocked or within inches, millimeters of being blocked. It's it's absolutely insane to me. One of the most frustrating parts of this team. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you it's it's tough not to continue to rant because I feel like we could do this all night yeah. and day and afternoon. But like, yeah, the special teams, I mean, we could go another 30 minutes yeah. and change, but like special teams really hasn't gotten that much better. Um, you know, seeing Mason Crosby kick it to the 10 yard line on the opening kickoff last night was super underwhelming. You get a block. You you mentioned just like the way I, I think I think a lot of it has to do with just Mason's strength regression. Like he's kicking yeah. the ball lower so he can get more of a, uh, a distance on it instead of kicking it upward with more of a leg power. And like, that's why they're getting blocked. I think it was, I don't remember if it was a field goal or I think it, I think it was a field goal that they had in the third quarter. He kicked it and it just sounded really, really weird. And I don't know if it was because it was cold out or what, but like even on the broadcast, it sounded strange. And then it was just tumbling weird. Like I, overall things have got to change that. I mean, from that Coco, to every like just like the snaps have been awful the snaps have consistently been awful and i don't get like you can't get a long snapper even like pat o'donnell we know is a vet he's gonna fix whatever he could with that but every snap it's it's up here it's down here it's outside Mm -hmm. get a long snapper i don't understand it's just like and you go and it's let's give rich rich passaccio the most money of any special teams coordinator and one of the most of any coordinator in the league and then Here's Jack Coco, who's given you no reason to believe that he can be a consistent snapper. And Mason, look, I, I'm not saying they should have like moved on from him, but clearly his cap, I mean, is basically under 50. I don't think he's hitting any more 50-yard kicks, maybe in a dome, maybe. But I would have rather seen, and going forward, I'd like to continue to see the uh, Ramiz Ahmed get mm-hmm. elevated every week to do kickoffs over Oladarius yep. Hamilton elevation. They didn't need to do that right before the game. Bring the back, let him kick it out of the end zone. How many times did the Titans start between the 35 to 40 yard line last night? We cannot cover kicks. It's crazy. You can't block a kick, can't cover a kick. Rich Passaccia, I mean, I don't know. Again, I think I said, I don't know if it was this show or an open book, but I said at a certain point, it literally seems impossible that it could be coaching because, I mean, how different, how different can you coach special teams? Block, tackle. That's basically it. Run straight and get the get the ball carrier. You can't teach it that differently. So I just feel like they they're not they're not paying attention to it. They're not signing guys that are like maybe get some real special teams core guys. Like you know you see the Patriots always have great special teamers. Other competitive teams. It's just you have to pay attention to it. At the end of the day, Mason's been there forever and that's been awesome. But really outside of Mason Crosby, they're basically been like all right, the rest of special teams, good luck. Punter, good luck. Everyone, snapper, if you're terrible, cool. We'll see what happens. It's unexpected. Like, you want to be a competitive team, but it seems like you really don't actually want to try to be a competitive team. You just, like, hope you're going to be a competitive team. Yeah, special teams is a lot of – it's like I always compare it to, like, rebounding in basketball. It's just a lot of effort. Like, you got to get into position. you got to, you know, maintain the um, basic fundamentals of a special team, staying in your lane, you know, just the, the normal things you have to do. Um, last contractual thing I'll bring up is Mason Crosby is a free agent after this year. I would be shocked if he was brought back. I, 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 I went I went to the game on Sunday, and when they lined him up for that 53-yarder, I was I I was in the end zone where he kicked it from. And, like, it barely got above the crossbar the yeah. entire time. I'm like, there's just no way you roll him out there for that in the cold. It, like, this It just – it's 
it's it's crazy to me. And this episode's been very negative, Eli. But I think there are some positives to look at throughout the rest of this year. And that's yeah. that's kind of the whole premise of this. Like, look at some of these young guys, the receivers, some of the offensive linemen, some of the defense. Do we get Jordan Love out there? Does the defense finally just say, screw it? Like, we're gonna run and just throw the kitchen sink at them. We're gonna develop some stuff that looks a little bit. Uh, more of a nuance instead of running with the same old thing that everyone scouted us the last 11 weeks. Can we get something that looks like an amoeba type defense that can move around? Because if they can't do that when they're playing, I mean, at this point, you're just playing free. There's nothing really to worry about other than your draft pick, from my opinion. Again, they could win out and shock the world. I don't foresee that happening the way all three levels of the game have been playing and the fourth one being the coaching. I just don't see that happening. But ultimately, there are still... Six games left, um, a long time until we have the next one. It won't be until next Sunday they get to play the, um, I don't know, best team in pay, best team in football right now besides having maybe a fluke on Monday night versus the uh, Washington football team. Yeah. Excuse me, the Washington Commanders. We'll see what happens then. But um, it's going to be a tough battle for the next six games, honestly, just to like want to stay focused on the game. But I think the silver lining is let's see some of these guys develop. What's what can we kind of foreshadow that's going to happen, whether it's playing time being reduced for some veterans with these contractual issues with some of these young guys getting opportunities. Guys have been called off off the street. Rudy Ford, Jonathan Abram. Can they make some strides to get themselves on the 53 next year? Even consideration to be brought back into training camp. But um, ultimately, we're still going to watch the damn game. I know I'm going to watch the game. We're going to still be here for pack a day. We're going to do our game on Wisconsin stuff. We're going to be flying to Twitter anytime there's something crazy that happens. Well, but Twitter still exists. Twitter so. still exists. Shout out. Um, final question. My answer is going to be really easy for this question, but I'm going to ask you first. Give me one player you're excited to watch throughout the rest of the year. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like you, I'll, I'll leave your answer because I think it's, it's, I, I, yeah, it's pretty obvious. But now that I think about it, but I – I would like to see outside of that player that I'm sure you will say. Um, I would like to see Quay Walker honestly continue to blossom at mid linebacker. And obviously, we just gave Campbell that big contract, and he's been playing great. And I think if you have both of them as kind of that centerpiece of your defense, and they can be really good players, it'll be a, it'll be a it should be a different defense hopefully going forward than we usually see in Green Bay. But then again, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But Quay no. Walker. I think Quay Walker's a good one, especially just based off the night he had and um, the opportunities that are there without Devondre Campbell. I hope you're predicting was well. Mine's Rudy Ford, like just to see oh. him on. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Christian Watson. No, no, no. Mine's Rudy Ford. I like the way I he's playing on special teams. I like the plays he's making. He should have had almost a pick last night. Austin yeah. Hooper snatched that one from him. But like, I just think there's an opportunity for you know a path of um, success there for him with the way Savage has played. Yeah. Watson's fun. I think that's that's great to see. Um, but I'm going to stick on the defensive side just because I feel like the safety group has underperformed far worse than we could have ever expected this year. And that's including Adrian Amos. So I want to see what Rudy Ford can do. And he's been fun as hell to see out there, but anyways, we'll be back next week. Janelle will be joining us. We'll go through the injury report as we get, um, it'll be geez, right after Thanksgiving. So hopefully we have something to be thankful for from a Packers, but we're going into the, uh, an Eagles game on the road SNF, which will be, um, It'll be interesting. It'll, it'll <laughs> definitely, it'll definitely be interesting. But yeah, let everyone know where they can get your content once you got going, and uh, where they can still follow you on Twitter, assuming it's still around by the next time we're uh, connecting. Yeah, uh, if Twitter still is around, you can find me at Book of Eli underscore NFL. 
and um, any of my writing over at PackerReport.com. And every Wednesday night at 8 Central, myself, Janelle Mackey, who is, of course, here on Packer Day as well, and Zach Jacobson uh, over at Open Book on Game on Wisconsin. And, yeah, that, that just about covers it. But, yeah, as Matt said earlier, I, I know things were sort of negative today, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's still good things to look at. And at the end of the day, I don't really think it's negative. It's I think it's more just honest. So kind of just says what it is. Yeah, it's kind of – I mean, just – it's not like we're taking this from a small sample size, overreacting to a blocked field goal yesterday or um, overreacting to, you know, AJ Dillon being indecisive in the hole. I'm just picking a couple here because yeah. we could go, but it's been like this for the full year for most of these things. We've seen some flashes here and there, Christian Watson being a new one, Ruby Ford being a new one, Quay Walker shining, but ultimately a lot of high profile names um, just haven't uh, performed the way they should have. And like myself, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. You can find me on Game on Wisconsin's Final Dump on Monday nights, 8 Central, st- eight central Time. I missed the last two. Uh, couldn't make the one previous to that. I was at the Bucks game on Monday. That was a terrible game when they played Atlanta. But I will be back uh, leading into the Eagles week, which will be – I don't know how do we, we go from here. I guess we watch to see what the Eagles look like this weekend. I don't even know who they play, but – little scouting there, see if they can slow down what they're doing on the offense and Jalen Hurts, but that defense is nasty. You already mentioned Linville Joseph and Adamican Sue being brought in. Shout out Howie Roseman. Um, but check out Brendan Dorzinski, myself, 8 p.m. Central Time on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you like to watch your streams. Um, it's the final dump via game on Wisconsin. What are you going to do with the weekend off? What, That's a good question. I was, I was hoping to bask in the glory of a second straight win, but now – um, I, I foreshadow, you know, it's pretty cold out. I think, yes. um, you know, a pretty nice amount of beer, maybe, uh, you know, maybe some good food, a good movie, just kind of chill, take my mind off uh, a lot of other things. I couldn't agree more. I woke up this morning, saw the snow, very depressed. <laughs> I was going to get some leaves off my yard this weekend. Unfortunately, I guess I'm upset that there's snow on the ground now i can't get i can't do yard work that's just a weird adult feeling to have had um but ultimately yeah i think just like a little chill stay inside turn the fire on watch maybe college football see some of these games on monday or sunday just go in the rabbit hole of the add experience that is uh red zone and we'll just watch football into the abyss and then i mean eat our sorrows away come thursday for uh thanksgiving and some football there but uh for eli berkovitz i'm at frail you guys be well Take care, and as always, no matter the outcome, no matter the loss, no matter the season, go Pack Go! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.